0: Welcome to r/slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r/slash pro Welcome to r/slash pro revenge, where a douchebag loses his house. Our next Reddit post is from unoriginal use. This story isn't about me, but about a guy I used to work with. He was a mountain of a guy, a huge Turk, but the kindest guy I ever met. He'd do anything for people he liked. Nobody ever saw anybody get on his bad side until that fateful day. As it happens, he was also our delivery driver, and he spent most days on the road in his semi, leaving before dawn and returning quite late, if at all that day. Our warehouse had a driveway large enough for him to pull the semi into and load and unload. The supermarket next door decided to do some renovations and expand. When they started construction, they started tearing out their brick parking lot and getting close to tearing out our driveway. The boss runs out, tells them where our property line is, and is assured they won't cross onto our property. Everybody goes back inside, nobody worries, until there's suddenly a raging bear Turk standing in the break room, shouting about how the driveway's been torn up and he can't get his lorry in. We go out, and indeed, the driveway is half missing, and there's a concrete building foundation poured in. The construction workers are nowhere in sight, and the boss sends the supermarket manager an email message, and everybody goes home. The next day, we arrive to the site of very angry construction workers. Apparently, our Turkish delivery driver went back in the middle of the night with some bolt cutters, liberated about 30 of their shopping carts, and stuck them into the drying concrete in various comical positions. Overnight, the concrete hardened, and the carts became quite difficult to remove. The construction crew brings in the jackhammers and four days later most of the concrete is gone and they start preparing for another pour this time leaving our driveway intact the foundation comes out fine everything is looking good at that time my boss shows up with the announcement that he had a land survey done and while they didn't tear open our driveway the second time they were still closer to our property line than allowed and he'd already filed a complaint to get the concrete removed. It took them another week of jackhammering to get it out. And down in the comments, we have this story from Eric Fry. This story reminds me of a buddy I once had. He was a landscaper, and one of his clients wanted him to build a pergola in their yard. No problem, he says. So he goes about drawing up plans, talking with the city, etc. Construction starts where things have been approved, and the neighbor comes out and complains that it's too close to the property line, and everything must stop and be ripped out. Now, the neighbor wasn't nice about this and was being a total douchebag about the situation, completely unreasonable and unwilling to compromise in any way. So my buddy has the land surveyed, and what do you know, the property line is actually a few feet over towards the neighbor's house. Meaning, not only was construction okay to continue, but also an addition the neighbor had put up actually crossed the property line and came into the client's yard. Well, I'm sure you can see where this went. Mr. Unreasonable now had part of his house that wasn't on his property, and remember, what goes around comes around. Very quickly, he became the nicest guy anybody had ever seen, but it was too late. He was forced to rip down the addition that had been built all those years ago. That's certainly a pro revenge approach to the problem, but if it were me, I think I would have let the neighbor keep his addition, but charge him rent. Our next reddit post is from the male Mary Poppins. I was always the kid people picked on at school. The girls would spread rumors about me and the boys would harass me non-stop. See, I'd always known that I wanted to be a nanny. I loved babysitting and looking after kids, so it seemed like a natural career choice for me. I made the mistake of telling this to a girl who I thought was my friend and she proceeded to tell everyone at school. As this was perceived as feminine, I instantly became the target for bullies. There was this one boy who loved to terrorize me. I'll call him Jack for the sake of the story. Jack was awful. He would follow me home while throwing things at me, vandalize my schoolwork, call me disgusting names, steal my stuff, cut my hair in class, etc. I was terrified of him. It got to the point where I couldn't sleep from the fear of having to deal with him at school the next day. I blame him and his friends for the anxiety I had, and still somewhat have to this day. I reached breaking point not long after Christmas when I was 15. My family never had a lot of money, but we got by. My mom had saved me for ages in order to buy me my first phone. No, it wasn't the newest model, but I didn't care. I was so grateful to have my first phone, and a little guilty that my mom had gone without her new Christmas outfit and put off fixing her own phone to buy my phone. Once the schools opened up after Christmas break, Jack found out about my phone. He took it from me and proceeded to read through my messages, making fun of me for my lack of contacts and telling my mom I loved her, then threw it on the floor and stomped on it in front of his friends. I was furious, upset, and devastated that this dickhead had destroyed something that my mom had worked so hard to buy for me. I started planning my revenge. I knew through the grapevine that Jack's mom was a stay-at-home mom, His dad had a well-paying job and his mother was quite happy to stay at home with the kids, four-year-old twin girls. I also knew, however, that she didn't get to go out much as Jack would flat out refuse to babysit and she was pretty picky when it came to who was allowed to look after her kids. I used to babysit her friend's little boy and was pretty good at it if I do say so myself. However, for my plan to work, I had to babysit Jack's siblings. I made a few comments here and there to the little boy's mom about wanting to get a few more babysitting jobs so I could save up some money for my mom's upcoming birthday. As luck would have it, the lady recommended me to Jack's mom since it had been so long since she'd been able to go out with the girls. For the next few weeks, I'd go to Jack's house with the other little boy I was babysitting and look after his little sisters. Despite Jack's awful attitude, his family were all pretty nice, and his little sisters were an absolute joy to look after. Jack wasn't usually in the house, but when he was, I could see that it killed him to have to be civil to me. His mom would have flipped out if he'd been horrible to me in front of her or his little sisters, and they'd have quickly ratted him out. Once I decided enough time had passed, I put my plan into action. See, Jack was one of those creepy kids who liked to brag about his adult magazine stash in his bedroom. This made him cool to his friends, but I never understood why to be honest. Anyways, every time I'd babysit and put the little ones to bed, I'd sneak into his room and search around. I know this is a massive invasion of privacy, but I was a stupid 15 year old kid and couldn't take his bullying anymore. I eventually found his stash and made a mental note that they were in a bag in this closet. I'd been observant those past few weeks, so I knew that Jack's mom and dad had an unopened bottle of vodka in the fridge. They didn't drink a lot and it was only for when they were going to parties. One night, once the little ones were asleep and Jack was out with his friends, I went to the fridge, opened the bottle of alcohol, and tipped about a quarter of it into the sink. His parents could afford to buy a new one, by the way. If they couldn't, I would have never have done it. And then I snuck up into Jack's bedroom and hid the bottle in the same bag as his stash. His parents found out about the missing vodka not too long later, and after Jack accused me of taking it, they showed up at my door. They weren't angry, because they still didn't know who had taken it, so they asked me some questions. I denied everything, but was polite, and even offered to help them look for it in case it had been misplaced. They thanked me, but told me that that was fine. They'd find it. And oh boy, did they find it. I was called over the next day to take the little ones to the park for an hour or so, in order for them to have a talk with Jack. When I got back, Jack was in his bedroom, and if the noises were anything to go by, he was crying. It turns out he'd ratted himself out. His parents found the bottle of alcohol in his room along with his adult magazines. His mother hated anything of that nature as she found it to be degrading to women. She humiliated him by gossiping to the neighbors about his unhealthy obsession with intercourse. He denied everything and accused me of planting the alcohol there. When asked why I'd do that, he ratted himself out by saying it was payback for him breaking my phone. His parents flipped out. They'd had no idea their son was such a bully. They took away his phone, grounded him, and made him sell his gaming console to pay to get my phone fixed. His face when they made him hand me the money will stay with me forever. His parents questioned me about the bullying, eventually informing my mom as well. I had hidden it from her and told her I dropped my phone. He got into a bunch of trouble at school after a few other kids came forward about the bullying they'd endured at the hands of Jack and his friends. A few of them, including Jack, got suspended. Jack's parents even made him go to the door to apologize to the people he'd tormented. I was reluctant to take the money at first, as it was way over the amount it would cost to get my phone fixed, so his parents compromised and told me to take enough to at least cover the repair cost. Needless to say, with the phone repair covered, I managed to get my mom an awesome birthday gift. Our next Reddit post is from PJ Murphy. To set the stage, many decades ago, Barney and Betty immigrated from Europe and bought a farm. A few years later, they had kids and sponsored Wilma from the old country as a nanny. She met Fred, a local boy, fell in love, and got married. Wilma stayed on as the nanny and Fred worked as a farmhand. Their kids, along with Barney and Betty's kids, grew up together, and it was pretty much a big blended family. Years go by, and Barney and Betty decide to sell the farm fields to Farmer Frank, but they kept the land the house was on. They made enough off the sale to build a nice new house and rezone the property lines. They broke the lot up into two parcels, one for the new house and one for the existing house, which they gifted to Fred and Welma as a recognition of their years of dedication and loving service. Both houses shared a well and a septic field. More time went by. Barney and Betty passed away, and their house was inherited by their son, Bam Bam. Fred also passed away, and Wilma stayed in the house. She was an angel! Everyone in the town knew and loved her. She was like the town's grandmother. She was active in the church, and liked nothing more than crocheting booties for anyone in town who had a baby. Sadly, Wilma passed away too, and her house was inherited by her daughter, Pebbles. She was well established in a nearby metropolitan city and made the decision to sell the house. She put up the parcel of land for sale and it was purchased by a builder from the city who we'll call Dick. The name suits him. He wanted the land to use as a country getaway as he already had a place in the city. He got approval to improve the place, and his plans were to convert the barn into a multi-car garage with a man cave and an apartment in what was the loft. He started by tearing down the house with plans to replace it with a bigger, more modern house. The house was torn down and the new build was started. Bam Bam asked the contractors not to do it, but they didn't stop, so he approached Dick, and the conversation didn't go well. Dick was an entitled big shot, dealing with who he thought was a country bumpkin. To give you an idea, Dick once went to the local diner and asked for the wine list. He was aggressive and disrespectful, and this pretty much set the tone for all future interactions. Bam Bam had enough these contractor trucks were tearing up his land so one weekend he built a fence along the border between his house and Dick's it wasn't a complicated fence he just got a buddy with a post hole digger on his bobcat sunk posts and strung planks between them this caused no end of trouble with the build there was no room to park on Dick's land for the contractors without getting in each other's way and they couldn't park in the driveway which was only wide enough for one vehicle at a time the contractors were pissed off They had a long walk from the road to the build site and had to carry tools and equipment back and forth. Either that, or take turns dropping off materials. And then waiting hours for the carpenters to finish unloading the lumber so that the plumbers could unload the pipes. Dick was furious and came stomping over to Bam Bam, demanding that he dismantle the fence. Bam Bam told him to go to hell. Then, a day later, Bam Bam saw that someone had removed some of the fence and the contractor trucks were back on his land. Okay, thought Bam Bam. Let's play. The following weekend, Bam Bam irrigated the area where the contractors were parking. He irrigated it long and continuously. He probably had to get a water delivery to make it happen, as the well had a limited capacity. On Monday, the first contractor to arrive turned off a of Dick's driveway to go through the fence and immediately sank up to his axles in mud. Did I mention that Bam Bam owned the local service station and knew every tow truck company within a hundred miles? As it turned out, everyone they called was too busy to pull the truck out, and they had to call a tow truck from the city almost two hours away. You can see how the relationship between Bam Bam and Dick became somewhat less than neighborly. Time went by, and Dick's house was completed. It was a low maintenance setup with interlocking brick over the compound and tall hedges separating Dick from Bam Bam. They kept out of each other's way, but they certainly weren't pals. Dick's kids would come up on the weekend and have a party now and then, but Bam Bam would put up with it. One issue that arose was when Dick decided to fill the small swimming pool that he had installed. This drew the well dry and caused some sand to be pulled into the water treatment equipment. When Bam Bam emailed Dick about the cost of the repair, Dick basically replied that it was Bam Bam's problem. And he said the same thing when the septic holding tank needed to be pumped. Bam Bam offered to split the cost of the pumping, but Dick refused to part with the dime. Years passed, and Dick decided to list the house for sale. That's when Bam Bam made his move. He cut the water and capped the septic line leading from Dick's house. Then he informed the real estate agent of what he'd done. Well, that induced a thunderstorm for sure. There's no way Dick could sell a house that had no water or any way to dispose of waste. He couldn't build a septic field on his property. It was too small. He approached Farmer Frank to buy some of the land, but was rebuffed. His only option would have been to install a septic holding tank, but the only place to put it would have been right in the middle of his compound, and septic tanks can be aromatic. It would also have meant removing the in-ground pool. Dick tried to argue in court that he was entitled to access the well water in the septic field, but Bam Bam won. Arguing that Wellman and Fred were given water and septic as a courtesy, and there was no contractual obligation to provide Dick either with well water or septic access. There was nothing in the deed to Wellman and Fred that could be grandfathered in, and Dick's emails refusing to pay for maintenance to either system was the nail in the coffin. The property sat vacant and unusable for months. The price dropped through the floor and the few people that expressed an interest in the property approached Bam Bam with varying offers of cash to restore service. Bam Bam declined. No offers were made to Dick for the house. Finally, Dick did receive an offer from a numbered corporation, an offer that was about a quarter of the asking price. As is, with a statement that the buyer was aware that there was no water or septic service to the property. Without much choice, Dick accepted the offer. And that's how Bam Bam bought himself a beautiful modern country home, at a steal of a price. He reattached the water and septic in an afternoon and moved his furniture down the driveway. He rented out his old house for extra money and had the numbered company negotiate with himself for an arrangement of perpetual use of the well and septic, thereby jacking the value of the house by a factor of four. Later, if he decides to sell it, he'll be making a massive profit. Bam Bam now enjoys a country paradise and is the social king of the hill in his town. All because Dick decided to be a dick. That was our slash pro revenge and if you like this podcast then check out my Patreon where I publish extra content. Also be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit content every single day.